0: I don't see any American dream, I see an American nightmare. We never initiate any violence upon anyone, but if anyone attacks us, we reserve the right to defend ourselves. When you're in your own nation, in your own land, you're in a position to get justice. But when you're in another man's country, in another man's land, you have to look to that other man for justice, and you'll never get it.
1: We're nonviolent with people who are nonviolent with us. But we are not nonviolent with anyone who is violent with us. Anytime you beg another man to set you free, you will never be free. We are ready and willing to pay the price that is necessary for freedom. What price are you talking about? Sir? The price of freedom is death. Welcome to Make It Plain, a show where two Christians offer reflections on the words and life of Malcolm X. I'm Philip Holmes. And I'm Taylor Gray. We're your hosts. All right, Taylor, so a few things that I want the people to do before we get started. I would love for you guys to visit our new website, MakeItPlain.co, and download the Make It Plain Season 1 discussion guide. Yes. All right, so this is going to come with episode summary, about 1,000 words, and four or five discussion questions So you can talk to some friends about the show. If you're interested in having deeper discussions about Malcolm X, this would be a good supplement in order to go along with that. So we want to make sure that you guys go over over there and download that. That's free. Just go to makeitplain.co and you will be able to find a way to download that guide. Also, if you have listened to season one, And you came back for season two. You got to go and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And now you can also do it on Spotify.
0: Yes. Yes. Spotify is in the game now. That's what's up. Yeah. So our goal is 300
1: total ratings on Apple Podcasts Mm -hmm. and 100 ratings on
0: Spotify by the end of the season. Which is a fraction of the support that we've gotten. So really easy step. It uh, it actually matters behind the scenes. Makes a huge difference. Makes a huge difference. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, actually, this is, I think, a great time just to go and re-listen to season one uh, anyway, just to kind of start to track with the content that we're eventually going to address. Um, But I love the fact that we're just in this space right now because the commentary surrounding Malcolm X seems to kind of be hitting the mainstream media. 100%, yeah. And so, I don't know, man, it just feels like a good time. We didn't plan this either, man. It it just worked out didn't plan it man so we're in a good space yo taylor what you wearing bro (laughs) oh yeah um also (laughs) we have we upgraded our merch so i am currently sporting you know i told everyone in season one just about the the fact that you would see malcolm as a dignified character as a person who wore glasses you know so you know i love this this graphic this image, this branding is so dope to me. So I want you guys to actually check out all of the new merch that we have. We've got coffee mugs as well that we're going to be sporting through the duration of this episode here. Just don't ask what's in my mug. (laughs) (laughs) It's coffee. It's coffee. We never ask what's in the mug, but you know, the mug has quite a few uses but actually check out the store look at the different new items of merch that we have again this is really quality comfortable kind of things and, I, and for me i'm the guys like every season's hoodie season so i'm gonna be wearing this everywhere want to make sure you go check that out yeah man so yo let's
1: dive into the first episode of season
0: two taylor you ready for this i am absolutely ready for this
1: yes all right let me read this quote and then i want you to respond We won't organize any black man to be a Democrat or Republican because both of them have sold us out. Both of them have sold us out. Both parties have sold us out. Both parties are racist and the Democrat Party is more racist than the Republican Party. Mm.
0: Go ahead, Taylor. Listen, man. Preach to us. He was already preaching it. And that quote is an excerpt from uh, one of his more popular speeches, the ballot or the bullet speech. And this was a sentiment he was conveying in a church. You know, this is up in Michigan and it was kind of an ecumenical gathering. So there were some other speakers there, some other community leaders there who he addresses at the beginning of the speeches those who don't necessarily agree with him and maybe just don't agree with one another so in you you see in this quote just the polarization in and of itself you can probably feel that just from what's being said so we want to just kind of start out by saying everybody was angry <laughs> you know right. this is not an attempt to curry favor or curry favor from people just out the gate and he has kind of numerous touch points throughout the speech that would uh, awaken a sentiment like this so i'll just say flat out out the gate i agree with him you know mm-hmm. i agree with what he's saying I agree with what he is he is ultimately trying to challenge in the way that we interpret our political system and there are many reasons to agree with that outside of just the sensationalization of the content in the words that he's saying. If you sit down and you look at American history, if you've engaged in the political system, even recently, you may find yourself struggling to align with either side. And particularly if you're a black person, you're trying to find out where your political identity is. He just kind of cut across the field and just addressed it, I think, from a historical perspective. And also in that moment, as much as it was risky for him to say that, he believed he was giving black people the information they needed in order to participate honestly with the political process. So, all in all, I agree with what he's saying.
1: Well, I guess I'll unpack a little bit like the context of this time because I mean, this is this is something that you won't hear very many mainstream black activists saying. Sure and malcolm was as mainstream as it got in the 60s apart from king right yeah i mean he was it was it was malcolm or martin right who's who's whose side are you on whose philosophy do you follow and for him to be saying something as polarizing as this But part of it is because Malcolm didn't accept the norm, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't accept the comfortable, the easy narrative. Right. Every time I I talk to people today, and, you know, especially as a libertarian, right, Hmm. they just basically, like, well, you're just not participating in American politics. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Essentially because if you're a libertarian, then that means that, you know, blase, blase, you're not really, and the third party would never work, and, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. But Malcolm was bold enough Mm -hmm to actually challenge the the structure the, yeah. the institution the status quo yes right yes and I think this is part part of the issues that I see in much of public thought we feel like we got to choose society
0: yeah and and I think in what he's saying it's not about checking out from the political process it's about engaging honestly with what we're what we're actually encountering, you know, the positions that are out there, the way that that campaigning works and some of the strategy associated with that, different community blocks that you're trying to garner support from, all of that is is viewable. But a lot of times what we're, we're trying to see more clearly is the character of the candidates, the character of even the positions that people take, like the integrity behind them. And Malcolm was kind of just cutting across the field and saying, listen, I want you to see these people for who they really are. I want you to see these political platforms for who they are. You know, they don't care about you. You know, at the end of the day, I don't want you to to feel like this is a decision that aligns with your core interests, your, your core interests or even your identity necessarily. This is who they are. And that's why I agree with them is it's not to say you can't engage from a place of trying to accomplish your agenda or some things that may benefit your community, Mm -hmm. but don't act like they love you and care about you. And they want you to come over their house for dinner, or you are going to go over their house for dinner, Mm -hmm. actually engage with the system and the society for what it is.
1: Yeah, I think, and I, I want to go a little bit deeper because a part of the problem that I see as well. You know, Malcolm had an uncanny ability to think mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. and to, and to just kind of cut through the facades, to cut mm-hmm. through the sort of you know pomp and circumstance of of, mm-hmm. of of political society and all that. Malcolm didn't just look at what people were saying; mm-hmm. he looked at the motivations behind what they were saying, and he also looked at the outcomes. Right. Mm-hmm. So Malcolm is is not going to keep believing you if you just keep lying to him over and over and over and over yeah. again. And, and remember, Malcolm was an extremely educated man. He was informally educated. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're, we may even at some point talk about one of his quotes where he talks about my university was basically books. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is this is where, where I so, learned. Yeah. This yeah. is where I learned to think. This is mm-hmm. where I gained knowledge and understanding about the world. Malcolm also had. Uh, a certain level of street sense as well, yep. because Malcolm, you know, he he was a criminal before. He went to jail. Malcolm also, had, and we've we, I've mentioned this in the past, but I, I think that this cannot go unnoticed or or overlooked. Malcolm had a very good grasp of white America, yeah, because he yeah. had had the opportunity, unlike somebody like King. Right, more or less. Malcolm actually had the opportunity to interact with white people way more often. He dated a white girl, you know, basically in jail. Partially as a result of that relationship and, and some other criminal activity as well. So Malcolm had spent a lot of time studying the culture of white people, right, yeah. of white America
0: from a different lens.
1: From a different lens,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So he, so and he knew, and he knew also what they did in secret. If you read his his autobiography, he would talk about how the businessman would leave home early to go to work, would basically drop by their work, drop their stuff stuff off and basically go downtown Man. basically lay with prostitutes, right? And then get be back at work by eight AM, nine AM and Wives just assuming that they're working from sun up to sun sundown. So there there's this insight that Malcolm yeah. had on America. And so I think that when you look at these particular quotes, they're not just coming out of a guy who who sees a problem and is just saying, I don't want to participate, to your point. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, you can't trust them. You can't trust. This was not apathy at work. Yeah, this was a keen insight that he had into the political process. He had watched the outcomes. He had been hustled enough, and he was like, you know what? Enough is enough. Yeah, we're going to build our own thing, right? Yeah, we're going to make them start responding on and acting on our terms. Yes, right. Instead yes. of taking whatever it is that they give us, because Malcolm knew that that Democrats and Republicans were giving Black people the scraps, but. But he said, listen, ultimately, whoever we go out for, that's who wins.
0: But that's and, and we'll talk about that in a later episode, because. Which part?
1: Which, what that? What you mean when you say that?
0: We'll talk about the empowerment of the black vote, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the strategic use of the black vote. Mm-hmm. But But isn't that that what he talks about in this particular speech? same speech. Same speech. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much in the speech to unpack. But to your point about Malcolm's lens and his experience in that world of, you know, prostitution and and all of that, where Mm -hmm. he he specifically had gained a name and a reputation and Mm -hmm. access to certain relationships, he was interacting with clients who were powerful members of society. Right. They were politicians, business leaders, all those different people who were living this life in the shadows. So it, it's almost like, it, to sum up when he talks about it in the book, is you see who a person really is under yeah. those circumstances and kind of like the vile nature of, you know, what gets exposed in those kinds of environments. So seeing those people and bringing that experience to bear in a speech like this is it gives him even more credibility mm-hmm. because he's not just trying to, to gossip and just tell lewd information just from a, a personal opinion standpoint. He's trying to say, like, hey, listen, if you're going to engage with this person who, who uh, presents themselves as favorable to you, know who they are. Mm-hmm. Know exactly who you're actually dealing with and what they think of you. Yeah. And and that's, I think, an empowering strategy to political participation, because then you can't be bought by sentiment and symbolism, mm-hmm. which is what he was just like. No, we don't need more mm-hmm. symbol; We need real formative action that can be measured in a way that benefits our community. And, you know, and something else about the way this is being presented is, again, like Malcolm at at one point. This is later in his life. Right. At one point, he could have been lumped in with the separatist crowd, mm-hmm. the ones who did say we need to check out from American society. Right. This speech was actually a representation of his evolution in perspective mm-hmm. to say you should participate in the political right. process. Right. He was actually making a case for it, yep. for voting, for getting involved. Which and that's what different. made him
1: so dangerous.
0: Exactly. Right?
1: Exactly. Right. Because he he was actually encouraging people don't be apathetic, don't yes. check out, because that's 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 yes. what the powers that be wanted them to do. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, every every time when the political season comes up and everybody starts claiming who's the Christian party and yeah, man. and all that stuff, I always think about one of the sermons that my former pastor, Pastor Mike Campbell preached, working through the book of Joshua during the season. And of course, you know, Joshua, I think it's chapter five. Verse 13, so when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn uh, sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Mm. And he said, No. (laughs) (laughs) He said, No. (laughs) No. (laughs) But I I am the commander of the army of the Lord. (laughs) no he's like who sides you on
0: neither that question's too low yeah I'm I'm coming from a. a, I have nothing to do with these affairs yeah there's a higher answer
1: but but think about that though Mm -hmm. this is like God's people
0: yeah yeah the agenda is in a different place. That's And again, that that's something that I think he was trying to use to galvanize black people is mm-hmm. to say we're not just limited to a reactionary response to our conditions. Mm-hmm. We can actually set the agenda. Mm-hmm. We can set the standard and say, no, we're not just going to take the scraps to your earlier point. Yep. And Martin, I think, had a little bit. You know, I don't want to say because, you know, it's funny you bring up, you know, Malcolm had dated a white woman. Martin did, too. But under different circumstances. This was in his, right. his college years. Right. Malcolm had not attended any kind of academic mm-hmm. institution on the path to becoming a leader and a voice. But these experiences drive your your capacity to engage with broader society mm-hmm. and. I think Martin was a little bit more skilled in, the, in maybe some of the political language and some of the ways you have to navigate power circles that allow you to be palatable. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm actually developed his reputation by taking a completely opposite route. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean Malcolm, he, in his autobiography, I think it's chapter two, he said at an early age, I learned that basically if you want something, the way that you get it is to make noise. Right. So this this was something that was always a part of his psyche. Yes. Right. If you want something and you want to get it, you need to make some noise. Otherwise, people are going to ignore you. I mean, and and I think that as King evolves, because we always talk about how these two men move closer to each other Mm -hmm. rather than farther away. King actually got to a point where he realized navigating and believing and hoping that these guys were going to help and do the right thing. It doesn't really work. Right. 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 And so I think he realized that we were... I think this is kind of probably where he had a turning point and where he became even more uh, like an enemy of the United States. Yes. Because... You know, by the time King died, public opinion of him was very low. And the New York Times, the Washington Post, mm-hmm. I mean, King was going out basically the Poor People's Campaign, he was going against the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And so that made King very unpopular. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that King eventually got here. Mm-hmm. But I think in his earlier days, he actually tried to navigate tried to the political process, mm-hmm. right? He, he tried. The peace and he never left, he never moved away from his nonviolent approach, but he also realized that it wasn't people didn't like him because of his nonviolent approach. That's mm. that's actually not what made King palatable. Mm. King, King's optimism, mm. right, yeah, is what made him palatable. Yeah. And they took advantage of that and they created a guy, and, I, and I'm sure he reflected oftentimes on Malcolm, right? Of course. And and they created a guy who was ready to start turning some stuff over. But unfortunately, he was assassinated before he could make certain moves.
0: Yeah. And and, and it kind of represents the evolution of both of their perspectives to at some point find a common ground and work together if their lives mm-hmm. weren't ended so tragically. But I just appreciate Malcolm's courage. And he was saying this in a church. <laughs> you know, you imagine a local church during our times inviting a voice like Malcolm, like who's? pulpit would be open for that, you know, for him mm-hmm. to openly state, like, we believe different things, mm-hmm. we come from a different religious perspective. Mm-hmm. And at this time, Malcolm had tapped into the essence of Islam as a global faith mm-hmm. versus the 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 black Muslim rhetoric and presentation. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, the, the emphasis is that we have a common goal. Mm-hmm. Like, we care about the justice and the equity that we can experience as people in our communities. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you know, in this kind of transition of thought and perspective, Malcolm is able to still kind of speak directly into a moment that is going to be a very important opportunity for the black community to engage the outcomes that will affect future generations for this community. And I mean, I think the election at the time, if I'm remembering correctly, it was I think Lyndon B. Johnson was was campaigning to become uh, president. I forget exactly who the candidates are, Mm -hmm. but he's saying, look at these candidates. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to tell you this. This is the party line and all this Mm -hmm. different stuff. But you've got to look past that stuff.
1: It was probably John F. Kennedy.
0: Okay, maybe it was. We 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 will make sure we know the next time we get on. No, I think you're right. I think it was
1: Lyndon B. Johnson because I think maybe John F. Kennedy had already gotten assassinated at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was past that. And then
1: and then I think Lyndon B. Johnson was John F. Kennedy's vice
0: president. I want to say, and he was probably campaigning for reelection. Well, he's he's making everyone look at these candidates. Mm -hmm and say, listen, this is what they're telling you, and this is what they have done. So for him to make a statement to say that the Democratic Party is more racist... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, we talk about political polarization all we want. Malcolm wouldn't be received by black people now right? talking like this. Right. You know, and, and I'm not just talking about a segment of black people. I'm talking about, if we want to statistically represent this, most black people... You know, like the Democratic Party is where President Obama emerged from. Mm-hmm. So you can't be talking like this and get universal support from black people in such a way that that's represented in the energy at the polls. Yeah. And yet his goal isn't just to to placate the blind optimism mm-hmm. of the black community. He's tell it like it is. Like, nah, man, these folks are racist. They have actually done done harm to you in a way that you need to pay attention to. So it it just when I read something like this and when I listen to that, that speech in its entirety, it it feels prophetic in the sense of, you know, how we need to receive these messages, how Mm -hmm. we need to interpret our political involvement. And then at the end of the day, like, how honest can we be? you know in terms of what we're seeing in the political sphere and what these campaign promises actually amount to that's tangible for us so i love it i love it. that's why i said i agree at the gate <laughs> <laughs> cuz i mean look man we're we're on the hinges here like this is this is 2022 and you know we we were all talking earlier and you know we're in the hinges of a, of another pretty hostile election season mm-hmm. Uh, midterms are coming up and, you know, Donald Trump's coming back. You know what I'm saying? So he's not just going to go quietly. Crazy. He's coming back, bro. Mm-hmm. And the end of the day, like we have to use these tools to see what we're going to get. It's, it's not a matter of just towing the party line and just going with the respectable kind of position for a black person. I think it's even more incumbent upon us to have a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And that's what Malcolm presents.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's so difficult at this point for people to even think about engaging or voting for a party that is not Democrat. And this is not me vouching for Republican votes. I think I think I think the importance is, is that you don't tie yourself to a party where they think that where your vote is assumed.
0: That's exactly what just happened. That's, that's, yep. And and I get there's circumstantial Cause, reasons. Cause what, did he, what did Joe Biden say? Man, he said a lot, bro. But but you know but you know, know, but, you know but you know but you know what I'm talking about. What he said into who he said it. Like when he said what he said to Charlemagne, that's when I checked out. I checked out. You know, and I and I can't just from a place of dignity and, and personal like integrity. Yep. I can't align with with something like that A sentiment that was so boldly communicated on that stage. You know, I get if you're in a, you know, years ago, Mitt Romney tried to run and, and his campaign was derailed by what he said to, uh, I think, a bunch of rich donors and it was kind of like secret camera footage where he made a comment about those who were in poverty and it ultimately derailed his whole campaign to black people or to people who were economically challenged mm-hmm. and it and it helped give obama the the boost to win narrowly at that mm-hmm. time so that was in the cut but sure. he said that to some constituents who could probably let him engage in a little bit more free conversation mm-hmm. Man, this man Joe Biden got on the Breakfast Club.
1: That's, that's <laughs> Told best. Charlamagne
0: to his grill, "You ain't black if you if you vote for anybody but me."
1: We call that audacity. Some people call that white audacity.
0: <sighs> we can't take that, man. We can't. We can't just accept that. Like the thing with with Donald Trump, that um, I think many of us. And, and, and this this is kind of like maybe some of the third level conversation many of us are having in the community is um, the appreciation that you can have for knowing where Donald Trump stands you know he speaks honestly and he speaks in in a way where it's it's not he doesn't have the skill to hide who he is right and I would rather engage with somebody who's going to t- even if I disagree, I'd rather see you for who you are and have the opportunity to engage honestly with what you present to me than you wearing five costumes and dancing a jig in front of me and putting hot sauce in your purse and then trying to just garner my affections for the purposes of hopefully doing something beneficial for me. But then when we look back and it's not being done, we as a community have to do better at Actually, Man, when you sent
1: the high sauce in the purse, that just, that bro, messed me up. I remember that. And I'm like, bro, how?
0: On the Breakfast Club again. How? <laughs> and these are our platforms of media that we look to. And like, if you're, y'all not going to hold Hillary accountable for that, then who's going to do it? Who's going to do it?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, um, yeah. So, yeah, Malcolm is like, you know, he's talking to black people. Like, I know a lot of y'all don't like what I'm saying up in here. And this is all black people up in here. I'm gonna tell y'all right now. Even those pe- people that y'all love so much, they racist. <laughs> They're more racist,
1: <laughs> <laughs> bro. Well, I guess what I'm trying to wrap my mind around because I'm, I'm trying to understand like why why we have the mentality that we have, and and how can we reverse engineer that, and and what's at the root of that, right? That what's what's making us more attracted to one. One party that's, that's simply like trying to a- appease us with these ex- external facades of blackness, right, mm-hmm. and as if they can actually relate to our lives and our experiences when they mm-hmm. can't. Yeah. But writing off almost it doesn't even matter. Even some of the best Republicans, right? Because there, mm-hmm. there are a few good ones. Mm-hmm. They will get ridden off simply for being associated with the party. Yep. yep. And and I'm saying. Like, some, something's wrong too when we, we rather take the the, the fake niceness yeah. over the raw honesty because they don't believe we're gonna vote for them, anyways, right? Yeah. So they're just gonna tell us, like, and so I'm, I guess I'm trying to wrap my mind around that.
0: Yeah. It's, I, like, it's how,
1: how do we understand that?
0: Yeah, I mean, with nuance, you know, like we always talk about, like, nuance it, it isn't easily curated for branding purposes. You know, because the minute you build an audience, you could lose it because nuance requires you to take an honest look at everything. Right. You know, you can't you can build momentum behind an idea like for for instance, Malcolm X. A lot of of, of people in the black community could be so excited that we're talking about Malcolm X until we actually look at his words. Mm. You know, because we we don't talk often about that chapter that wasn't included in the autobiography to the Negro. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about that chapter. <laughs> we got to have a conversation about the chapter. Hey, you know, and, and that and that's going to hit home, you know, in a particular way to where you have to do some self-examination, some self-critique. And ultimately, again, like we we always talk about, these are Christian reflections on on the life of of Malcolm X. If we look at a person, the person of Christ as a person in society, a person of reputation, he in many ways did the same thing. You know, he would say something to gather a large crowd, or he'd do something to curry favor from a range of people, and yet when you you still you stood with him long enough or you listened to him long enough, he would say something that would scatter everyone mm-hmm. or he would move to a different location quite literally and leave a bunch of people behind. Mm-hmm. So I think even as Christians, as as followers of Christ, we have to be careful with the, the kind of celebritizing of Christianity to say it's just this overall agreeable message mm-hmm. <laughs> that everybody can can get some sort of benefit and attraction to, you know, without the actual counting of the cost. Yeah.
1: I think we have to look at the words of Jesus when we engage the political process in America. So yeah, whether he say, you know, of course, Jesus in this particular point, He's talking to his disciples and he's sending them out to actually preach preach God's word, to preach the gospel. But, mm-hmm. but here's what he tells them before he sends them out. He says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we when we begin to engage political parties, we have to have that mindset mm-hmm. because we can't assume that those who are nice to us are being nice to us. out of pure motives right right? Right. so as we're looking at because of course everybody's going to ask all right well taylor phillip what y'all want us to do with this episode and i think that we we gotta kind of help people to see that what we're simply telling you to do and what i think even malcolm is encouraging you to do is to look at the two parties Mm -hmm. and don't have an allegiance to one yeah okay one you know maybe harbors more like explicit racist right sure. than the other sure. right but the regardless look at them as listen you can say whatever you want yeah but i want to know how you're gonna vote yeah. when this legislative law comes up yeah or how are you going to are you going to pass this bill yeah. or are you going to overlook this you know th- those are the things that i want to know you can yeah. say whatever you want to say you can you know come to my barbecue you can carry hot sauce in your purse you can do whatever you want but at the end of the day all I care about are your actions. Or right? never come to the barbecue. Never come to the barbecue. And just
0: do what you said you were going to do. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Be a person, because I think, I think that's the way to, and, and, and listen, as minorities, right, we're operating out of a place of weakness, mm-hmm. right? We don't have the financial capital mm-hmm. uh, and power. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have the political. We do have the political power, but we, don't, we haven't figured out how to leverage it as, as a people, and that's essentially what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about more later on Mm -hmm. as we dive, if we get a chance to dive back into that speech. Mm -hmm. But because we don't have those things, eventually the experience that we have as a people group in this, in in this particular country, Mm -hmm. Christians are going to begin to experience that as well. And I think we see that coming. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the backlash and a lot of the, these grasps for power, right? We're, we're aligning ourselves closer to the Republican Party than we ever have, at least in in my knowledge. There's always been sort of a a movement there, a sort of sort of an unspoken allegiance, right? And, and but now there's no like bipartisan. There's very little bipartisan work going on amongst Christians. Most Christians are diehard Republicans, and they think that it is evil to be a Democrat. And they use this one issue related to abortion in order to essentially say this is why all Christians right need to be Republicans right. but what they don't realize is that you can be a conservative Christian yeah. with, with those convictions without being a Republican right. right because you don't have to align yourself with a party you vote based on the issues right. Right? so if you know that this, this particular judge right is going to have power in this particular area but he doesn't have anything to do with abortion but he would make a doggone good judge and he's a Democrat right. you vote for him Right. And, and, and you. But, but you know why we don't like that? Because that requires us to think. Nuance. It is easy to just say, I'm going to vote one party up and down. Right. Yep. But as soon as we have to think, as soon as we have to examine, yep. as soon as uh, we, we don't want to do that. Yep. And I think that's the biggest issues that we're seeing here. And I think Christians are eventually going to get to a place where they're going to have to start learning from people groups mm-hmm. and minorities who have operated and navigated cultures out of a place of weakness. Mm. Because if we don't, mm. right, we're going to be in a place where <laughs> we're, we're going to be in a very sad place. I don't know what exactly that's going to look like. As Christians? As Christians, be... okay. as Christians. As yeah. Christians, yeah, we're going to be in a very, very sad place if we don't learn to start navigating is essentially start being as as wise as serpents mm-hmm. and as innocent as doves. Because I think a lot of the stuff that we're also getting involved with as a result of party allegiance, we're being compromised morally.
0: Yeah, we are in a sad place. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. We're <laughs> you know, not getting there. We yeah, are. We're here. Like, yeah. but, but to your earlier question, and, and, and I think, you know, we'll have more opportunity to, to unpack this in layers Like, what is this? What is the thing that causes us, as particular, particularly as Black followers of Christ Mm -hmm. or or Black people, causes us to to find ourselves in this position constantly, over and over Mm -hmm. again? For me, the the answer to that is a question of identity. You know, we don't know who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're constantly contending with our identity and our place in this world, in this Mm -hmm. society, and since we don't have a clear sense of that. Then we're kind of tossed to and fro by every wind of perspective and, mm-hmm. and doctrine instead of kind of being forged in who we are and not being moved right. in in that regard. So we're going to have to continue to contend with that in, in this country. And it's complicated.
1: Yeah, I think we've said enough. I think we got into enough trouble for this particular episode. Hey, hey, bro! You know it's always a pleasure. Always. I'm looking forward to the next episode. It's yes. gonna be good. I think this is a really good start to season two. Yes, agreed. Um, so, guys, stay tuned. It's gonna be good. Thanks for tuning in to Make It Plain. For more resources related to Malcolm X, please visit our website Makeitplane.co where you can subscribe to the show Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Radio, Public, Google, or via your RSS feed, and never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple and Spotify. Do not forget to do that. Help us hit our goal of 300 ratings on Apple Podcasts and 100 ratings on Spotify. You can also just simply share the podcast with a friend you know might be encouraged or just might enjoy these reflections on Malcolm X. If you like our show, be sure to visit the website and download our free resource, make it plain season one reflection guide or discussion guide rather the season two discussion guide is coming soon. So just be on the lookout for that. So join us next week as we continue our reflections on the words and life of Malcolm X. I'm total Palms.
0: I'm Taylor gray. Go get you a hoodie. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. All
1: right.